Hi everyone, welcome to Hubshots episode 88, proudly brought to you by Old Gold, Robin Raisin. Anyway, we're going to talk about hidden Hubspot settings and pretending to know things. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is my co-host Craig Belly. How are you, Craig? Yeah, really good. And like you said, I'm yeah all amped up on the old gold chocolate tonight. And uh, yeah, we're, we're recording it just after nine o'clock. On, on a Wednesday evening. On, on a Wednesday evening. So, yep, I needed a bit of chocolate to perk us now, up. Now, I forgot to say, this podcast is actually for marketing managers and sales professionals who are considering using HubSpot or who are using HubSpot. Now, Craig, on to our Shot one, which is our inbound thought of the week. And you, you highlighted focus, focus versus diversification with your content strategy. And this is from the Content Marketing Institute podcast. Yeah, Joe Polizzi has a, well, he speaks, you know, he's hosts a number of podcasts, but this is one of his quick ones, the five minute podcast, which yes. I like. And I love that podcast. Yeah, he always, uh, what's it called actually? Content Inc. Yes. And uh, he just talks about, one little tip each time and in a recent episode 83 he actually just talks about this trap that people fall into in diversifying across content formats too early and he gives his own personal example about how when he was uh, starting content marketing institute they just focused on one area the blog and then of course as that grew they grew into other channels like podcasts books events or that kind of thing a good reminder i think because it is easy to jump in and spread yourself thin very good advice all right, a HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is using HubSpot content settings properties to see where a field is used. Yeah, I'll give you a typical example. You know, someone says, ah, oh, so we've got this custom field in that we've set up in HubSpot. But what, what workflow is that used in again? I've actually forgot because, you know, I've got so many help. It's actually really easy to find out. You actually go into the content settings. You look at all your um, fields and it'll actually tell you used in. And it tells you the places it's used in. That could be forms, lists, or workflows. And just click on that and it actually gives you a list of them. You can drill into them. Which is pretty good. It's pretty handy. Yeah. yeah it's actually one of those hidden little um, usability tools. So, yeah, That's a right. few screenshots there in, uh, so you know what we're talking about. But, yeah, very, very handy. That's right. And it's under property settings. So that's where you'll find it'll be contact properties, company, and deal properties. It all relates to it. All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. And this is to do with setting up color picker favorites. Now, why are we saying talking about color picker favorites? It's because it keeps your brand consistent and it's used all around the system where you can actually choose colors. So what this actually enables you to do is actually have your core brand colors and people can actually choose it. So great places, maybe CTAs, maybe they're trying to change the color of text on headings that they need like have a high contrast. It's a place to do it without actually then getting them to go and choose different colors, which are totally off brand. And you do this by going to content settings in the tool, colors and fonts, and then you actually put in your color picker favorites. Yeah, look, I'll give you a great example where uh, this comes in handy. So you're preparing an email, you've got a, a link that you're using, you put in the link, it just defaults to a color, which, you know, might be different to one you want. Oh, Oh, I've got to find, well, I'll look up the hex code for that color and start that. It's in your color picker, done. So all your team have it there ready. Exactly. Go set that up if you haven't set it up. All right, onto HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And this is about setting up your sales dashboard. Now on your sales dashboard, like your marketing dashboard, you've got a bunch of widgets that are available. And why I'm highlighting this because I never bothered to go and look at it 
Um, and what I discovered, because we use Sales Pro, there are actually a bunch of things that you can add. If you're a Sales Pro user, that you can actually add, add to the dashboard. One of them being calls made by rep and the other one being meetings booked by rep. So this is really great if you've got a whole team of people and you want to understand who's doing what and just see it on that dashboard and actually see productivity and, well, activity in essence on the one place without having to drill down too far. So I would encourage you, if you do have Sales Pro, go and add those reports so you can see what's going on. Yeah, and worth taking a look at the report widgets every so often because they pop in new ones all the time. They don't often, or they sometimes don't announce them as um, widely as you might expect. So you can yes. them. Yes, and now while I was going through this uh, little widget exercise, I discovered some of these widgets that were actually used in marketing free, actually in there, but they weren't actually enabled. So if you're using the marketing side, and you want to see like a really good one was the number of contacts that were added per day. That was in there, which which is kind of like a default view in marketing free. So if you're using basic pro enterprise, I'm pretty sure you can go pick that up and add that to your dashboard. All right, Craig, on to our opinion of the week. Why we pretend to know things explained by a cognitive scientist. I thought this was an interesting article. This was on Vox.com. Uh, looking at the psychology behind why people think they know things. Uh, and it, it's actually quite interesting because it talks about this whole uh, cycle where we kind of trust people to know about topics. And then because we there's so many things to know and find out in the world such a complex place that we can't find out everything ourselves, right? So we trust people and they, oh, well, they say this. And, well, how did they know that? Well, they know that because friends of theirs or people they read know that. Well, how did they know that? Well, because they've read it and was mentioned in other, and then, and it's like this cycle that goes on. It's like, well, actually, who knows anything? It's like, <laughs> it's kind of like people know people who know things, and it's Correct. kind of where does it end, right? Anyway, the point of all of this is, at the end, they talk about well, it could be a problem, and especially you can imagine in bubbles, where those information bubbles, where you go down a whole path because everyone knows someone that knows something about a topic, and it without getting too cliched and going, oh, it's fake news that propagates. It is this idea of learning. And I think this happens, especially in marketing, where we follow the advice of other people because they heard it somewhere, who heard it somewhere else, about someone else who did a test, who did... So- it always comes back to that test and measure. And uh, we've actually got to be careful. We don't, like, almost as hosts, fall into this same trap ourselves. And we, we all, I guess we try quite um, methodically to test the stuff we talk about on the show, but we sometimes refer to articles we've found. And, you know, anyway, the point to listeners, and especially marketing managers, is, and this this article goes into it at the end, is just to question it, not in annoying an annoying, you know, way, but just like, oh, are you sure? Just have that kind of um, questioning curiosity yes. about things and to test and measure them yourselves where at all possible. So, yeah, a good little article, and that's an opinion of the week. And I think, you know, a reminder to myself as as much as anyone else. I think it's very good, Craig. Good to stay grounded. All right, on to our creative top 10 of the week, Craig. And this is uh, 10 creative ideas for promoting and marketing a new startup jewellery brand. Yeah, look, thanks for this one. (laughs) Okay, so just to recap to listeners, we have this segment, uh, and this is, it's called Creative Top 10 because, and if you haven't heard it before, we challenge each other to come up with 10 ideas around a particular area that we're not an expert in. And so the point is not, oh, here's professional experienced advice on an area. It's about 
being creative, flexing our creativity muscles. And so you've given me this one about a jewellery store. Now, I actually know nothing about jewellery, but you sent me the site. We we can't actually include the link in the site because just it's one of your customers and, you know, can't do that. But the the point that I can tell listeners is that there's a focus on mums and their children with this jewellery. It's actually quite Correct. nice. It's, quite, yeah. it's a very nice site, actually. And you said, well, how do we promote this site? And I'm like... Man, I don't know. It's really <laughs> tough because it's not a well-known brand. It is. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you're competing yeah. against the, some of the jewel brands. It's not a premium brand, although they aren't cheap. No. Jewelry itself Probably is sits in that middle, middle yeah. space. But they're not a premium brand, so there's not this prestige brand kind of element. It's like, man, how do you get this going? And so here's some of my ideas, which I don't claim to be an expert, of course, but I thought... I tried to, you know, think about things that weren't just obvious, like do ad words. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think the persona piece is really interesting because where they can differentiate is it's very targeted around mother and child. Yep. And I really like this part of it. And so there's a really interesting targeting angle there that you can get at. And so number one was around targeting potential hangouts where they turn up forum sites and, of course, you can target them with ad placements. However, moving on, because children are a key hook, I think there is a lot of, opportunity about preparing content related to parents especially mums and i think uh there's tons of groups like new mum groups on facebook and other social um sites that we could you could look into and be part of a community and i think there's also because of that you can there's a partnering opportunity with other related things like child photography studios things like that family photos Special events, of course, I can imagine Mother's Day and yes. birthdays if you're targeting mums. Um, there are, I think also uh, the whole Christmas gift idea, I think this is really, and so those catalogues are often getting prepared in August, September for publication okay. in November, Christmas catalogs. So getting some of this jewellery, and it's quite nice and it's got a nice differentiation, which I'll get to next, getting them in gift catalogues. Of course, that's where everyone wants to turn up, but you've actually got to be preparing that now. Yeah, right. So that's more of an offline thing, although those catalogues are online as well. Um, I thought partnering with church events, yeah. so around, you know, First Communion or Baptism or those kinds of things, people are often looking for gifts to give yep. when they go to those events, so maybe uh, church-related gift stores and things like that. And now the differentiation, here's the key thing that I, I thought was interesting. They off- offer custom engraving. So necklaces, bangles, they can engrave, and you choose it on the site. It's all online. Correct. I really like this. Yeah. And I think that personalised gift approach is something they should promote widely. That is a differentiator in the whole jewellery space. There's lots of jewellers that do that, and I found out, and I'm searching, but it's a, it's a very defined uh, segment. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's worth promoting. However, it does really come back to the discussion about, around mummy issues, I'll call it, and sites like Mamma Mia are good. They, they accept guest submissions. They also have an advertising component. There's millions of sites like this. And I think just speaking as a mum, because when I was looking on the site, the lady who's done this jewellery, I think those photos are with her child, right? So she it's not like she's just running a business. It's actually a passion for her. And I think her talking about that in guest articles and being part of communities is like probably the biggest opportunity that she would have against other jewellers who are just, you know. Selling stuff. Pushing product, yeah. yeah. Um, I also looked at, there's a lot of podcasts around new family and kids and so looking at podcast advertising so yeah right. tools like midroll where you can get custom reads and i think in a parenting podcast i don't know this i'm not a parent but i just think that's it's a very captive audience and if you have a 
have a podcast read or a sponsor message and it's related to jewelry from mother and a child. Yeah. Uh, that could be that could be good and probably unique. I don't think there's many ads around that in a podcast. Uh, content related to jewelry. Like I just thought, especially children's jewelry and things like that, how to polish, how to care for, can you wear it here, how do you protect this? Like I think there's a ton of content ideas that she should just be putting on the site around that. Uh, that content ranks well. I was looking at some of the content that ranks for that, and they're like UK sites. Yeah, right. Some really dodgy sites. There were some strong ones that were popping up, but I just thought it looks like there's a lot of dodgy content. And I think with quality content, yeah, you could actually okay. stand a chance at ranking for some of those. Um, a lot of those questions get Google snippets, and so I think... Uh, because, doing that well. Yeah, this site is a WordPress site and, you know, the, just the plugins, yep. you can prepare those snippets. I think that's the way to go. And then, so that's the 10. Number 11 was, and this is a longer-term thing, I'd actually, actually consider doing your own podcast because she's a new mum. She talks about those things. And I think she could be talking about celebrating special events with your child. It's almost like that's the topic of the podcast. That's a lot of work, so I didn't want to put it in the top 10. It's kind of like saying, Oh, do a TV advertisement. It's like, no, that's, that's, you know, but I actually think that whole, you know, podcasting. Anyway, talk too long there. That's, that was good. Top 10. Fantastic. On to our podcast of the week, Craig. And I've highlighted this podcast. This is from Noah Kagan Presents. And I've mentioned this before, but I really love this episode. It was an episode to do with how to become friends with VIPs, celebrities, and famous entrepreneurs. Lessons from Keith Ferrazzi. So I think he wrote a book called Never Eat Alone or something. And he he interviews him. And it's just, it's a fantastic, I think it's about 20 minutes long. So I'd encourage you, there's a link in the show notes that links to it. Go and have a listen to it. It's something I've listened to twice over, I think. Good one. I'll check that one out as well. All right. On to our resource of the week, which is, we're going to talk, this is an article from Moz about optimizing for Google search. It was one of his whiteboard Friday ones. And it says, so what are the key items, Craig? Aim to provide original images, especially useful for products. Yeah, so just to take a step back, this is to get your images in the Google image search results. That's what he's talking about, how to optimize for those. Yep. Image file name, alt attributes and caption are key factors. So make sure you name them correctly. We do this with a lot of clients, like give them naming conventions to stick to because I think that's really important. Yeah, try not to use spaces, please. Yes, put underscores, put dashes, that's good. I, and I do this, I'll tell you why, because I was working with a client that sells tiles and I said, what do people look for? They don't really know which tiles they want, right? They'll go, oh, I'm looking for like a grey tile for my toilet or my bathroom and what do they do? They type in grey tiles and they go to image search and then they go and they work their way down and go, oh, I really like that tile. And then they get to the site. And that was a very common behaviour I saw take place. That's why. Wow, that's an excellent example of where image search works for you. Exactly. All right, next one. Surround your content and page title as well. So, yeah, surrounding content around the image. So Google looks at the image and then even to qualify what the image is about, surrounding content is a factor. I did not know that. Yeah, a good a good reason to consider when you're looking for images being part of image yes. search is, yeah, to include the image within the content and not just as a featured image. Because yeah. often the featured image, you know, okay. it's in divs, uh, yes, you know, yeah. out of the way and it's not as, you know, just a little That's tip. That's a very good tip, Craig. All right. And the last one, engagement on the image is in the results is also a big factor 
after indexing. Yeah, and I actually showed this by when people are in the image search results, if they click on, other, it's almost like they did tests where they got people, oh, everyone come and click on this one for a test and it rose up. Yeah, so yeah, Google right. looks at basically engagement as a ranking factor in the images. Very good. All right, and finally, on to our quote of the week, Craig. It's from Brene Brown. Do you want to? Who was a speaker, I think, two years ago, and she's back this year. Maybe, she is. Uh, inbound 2017, yeah. Uh, so she says, perfectionism is a 20-ton shield that we lug around, thinking it will protect us when, in fact, it's the thing that's really preventing us from taking flight. Ooh. So, yeah, good quote. And uh, I think often as marketers we try to be perfectionists, especially with content, with our images we want, and we kind of almost Websites. overdo it and this has got to be perfect. And I guess we're not saying, oh, you know, uh, accept low quality, but it at some point, you've actually just got to keep pushing on. You've got to keep going. Yep. Good one, Brené. Absolutely. All right. There's more bonus links of the week. Check it out. If you would like to join our WhatsApp group or our Facebook group, then you can. And you've got a limited edition sticker in your hand. Craig. I have one sticker I found. So the prizes don't get much bigger than this, do they? <laughs> the giveaways. <laughs> if you want a Hubshot sticker to adorn your laptop, uh, let us know. Just complete the contact form on our website and yeah, we'll send right. it to you. Or join the WhatsApp group and just ping us there. We'll exactly. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.